0: Greetings to those who watch below. For today's US paranormal state, we're heading to Pennsylvania, a state rich with history and bloodshed. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership you can join by checking out the link in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Julie B, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, and Lieutenant Punisher 666. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel and also check me out on Instagram and Facebook. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Our Haunted House in the Poconos by Sarah Girl. Everything I'm about to tell is absolutely true, and everything actually happened. I don't live in the house it happened in anymore, but I regret never studying the history of the property or investigating the haunting that took place. Here's a little history of the area though. During the Revolution and pre-Revolution era, there were Native Americans and settler massacres alike. Supposedly, the property lies along the trail that General Washington and his troops travelled on. There are also stories of witches that used to exist near the area way back in the day as well. We lived in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. So much happened inside this house, but it started out small, so that I was the only one who noticed it for the longest time. It started out as hearing someone walking around late at night, going up and down the stairs, hearing the kitchen sink turn on and off, and hearing cupboards open and close. My bedroom door had full view of the stairs, and though I never saw anything Sometimes I'd see shadows moving, lights turned on by themselves. We'd also get the oppressing feeling of being watched and followed day or night. When I was home alone, I'd hear whispering voices upstairs, like people arguing or people talking about me. I'd go upstairs to check if a TV had been left on, but none ever was. While home alone again, something called out my name three times. It was long and drawn out like something out of a ghost movie. But I think it's interesting to add, it sounded similar to my mother's voice, and I was tempted to answer until I checked that she wasn't home. A year later, I learned that something had also called out my stepdad's name as well as touched him. One night, while playing alone in my room, a jacket which was hung off of my chair five feet away from me started swinging, all on its own. My parents who were very paranoid about intruders, had three locks installed on our front door. They left the house and came back to find the door wide open, and blamed me for it. Yet, we leave our house, cat inside, and come back hours later to find the cat outside. The activity definitely worsened, however, after I moved into the downstairs bedroom. The first night I slept in there, I left a glass of water on the table, and as I lay in bed trying to fall asleep, I distinctly heard the glass being slammed onto the table repeatedly. Then the pounding started. Something started knocking on the walls and furniture of my room. I was freaked out, but tried to ignore it, and just laid still there, listening, pretending to be asleep. This happened at least once a week for a year, until it finally faded away altogether as if it were pulling pranks on me, things in my room would go missing as I was using them. I grew so used to this though, that I learned to just walk away for 30 minutes, and I knew eventually it would return to the exact spot. I also swear that the ghost tried to get me in trouble. My stepdad changed jobs and worked with a bomb squad dog, which we were allowed to let live with us. The cat and dog didn't get along though, so while my stepdad was home with the dog, we kept the cat in my room. I'd wake up for unknown reasons about three in the morning, and every time I'd get the feeling that I had to turn on my light. So I did. The door to my room stood wide open, like a dark, gaping mouth. I'd feel something watching me. Then suddenly I'd realise, where's the cat? This always happened only a few minutes before I knew my stepdad would wake up. He'd blame me if our government dog got attacked by the cat, so I'd find the cat always minutes before his alarm went off. However, for the last year I lived in that house, things increased to the point that it felt threatening. Me and my mum often felt like we were being choked, as if hands had wrapped around our throats, stopping us dead in our tracks. For two nights in a row, I heard a strange shuffling sound float around my room. I couldn't see it, but the sound floated around my room Stopping and hovering at times until it stopped in front of me and then left through the door again. It was like the sound of rustling paper or maybe hissing. It was often my job to watch after the fire when my parents weren't home, and one night the antique railroad spike which we kept on the mantel flew past my head. But the worst thing that ever happened, perhaps two months before I finally left, was while I was sleeping on the couch in my room. For some reason, I'd felt unsafe in my bed, so I slept on the couch, because there I felt less exposed. After I reached up to turn off the light, I had the sudden realisation that something was face to face with me, mere inches away. It made me so sick to my stomach, and I felt that whatever it was, hated me, and wanted me to know it. Like a child, I flipped the covers over my face, and said a prayer. But later that night, I woke up to the sound of screaming and growling within my room. Someone was screaming that they needed help, that they were trapped and didn't know their identity. I tried to move, but that's when I realized I couldn't. I was completely paralyzed and couldn't move a muscle. But here's the really creepy part. It was me that was screaming, but it was not my voice and I had no control over it whatsoever. Then every sound in my room escalated into a large deafening roar, and I heard someone speaking above all the noise, but I couldn't recognise the language. And then suddenly, it became silent. The weight lifted off of my chest, and I could move again. I felt like there were things still present in the room with me, but I didn't dare turn on the light, for fear of what I would see. I think it's also important to note, that while living in that house, everyone's demeanour changed, including mine. We all became increasingly hostile toward each other, like whatever the things were in that house wanted to drive us further and further apart. Yet, as soon as I moved away, it was as if a heavy darkness had been lifted from my life. But, a lot of unanswered questions remain. The bus to nowhere Philadelphia's southeastern Pennsylvania transit authority boasts over a thousand buses that service the metropolitan area. The impressive fleet shuttles passengers to and from hundreds of destinations throughout the city on any given day. Only one, however, provides a chosen few a new lease on life. It is said that the bus that leads to emotional salvation can only appear to those trapped in the clutches of Dark Despair. Some, if not all of these tortured souls, are so despondent that they don't know if they can make it through another day. It is only when they reach this level of hopelessness that fate steps in to offer them one last chance of redemption. The wandering Bus, as it is sometimes known, appears from out of nowhere and returns to parts unknown upon completion of its route. Although it can show up just about anywhere, it is most often spotted in the areas of West Powelton, Center City, Passyunk, Haverford, and Dauphin. Those who claim to have ridden the bus relate that they felt compelled to do so for reasons they can't articulate. They only know that while trudging through the streets, lost and alone, they were thrown a lifeline in the form of a mysterious city motor coach. According to them, The vehicle sports very little in the way of identifying markings. The LCD marquee is blank. No routes, streets or destinations are displayed. Even though the public transport sceptre logo features prominently on the side of the bus, it is not listed on any official company manifests or transit maps. The driver, who never allows his face to be seen, seems to sense exactly who is in need of assistance. After honing in on a likely candidate, he drives by them once, as if to gauge their worthiness. Upon seeing it for the first time, those for whom the bus is intended know instinctively that help has arrived. Those who see the bus, but choose to ignore it, never get another chance. The man behind the wheel doesn't stop on the initial go-around. At that stage, his goal is only to make his presence known. If the soul wishes to board the bus, he or she must wave it down, and asked to be allowed inside. If permission is granted, the doors open, allowing them to step into a place where they will be forced to face their demons head on. As they board, an automated voice announces the name of the intersection from which the person was picked up. No mention is made of where the ride will end. No fare is required. Some former passengers say that they offered whatever change they had on hand while others paid nothing. The driver stares straight ahead, refusing to engage with new arrivals. He simply motions for them to take a seat before departing to a place known only to him. The bus is deathly quiet, those already on board seemingly absorbed in their own inner struggles. Once seated, the journey begins. Those who retained memories of what happened next recalled almost immediately falling into a state of deep reflection. During this period of soul searching, the events that led them to the point of desperation are dissected, one by one. Every possible scenario and outcome plays out in the recesses of their mind. It is only when they realise where they went wrong, that they gain the ability to leave regret behind and move forward. As they work through their issues, riders are unaware that there are others on the bus, Although no one ever seems to recollect who they were or what they looked like, not a word is spoken aloud throughout the journey, which normally lasts for several hours. In some instances, if accounts are believed, the ride continues for years. Passengers are cognizant that the bus is moving, but say that nothing can be seen of the world outside. As it rambles along, the vehicle is completely self-contained. Those on board are so focused on themselves... That for a time, nothing else exists. Riders know that they have emerged triumphant when they gaze out the windows and see the twinkling of city lights. The experience has been likened to being snapped out of a trance. No longer lost in their own misery, they are ready to rejoin society. It is when they reach this epiphany that the individual, now revitalized, tugs the cord, signalling that their journey has reached an end. The passenger is subsequently dropped off in the same location from which they were picked up. After they disembark, the bus disappears into the night, presumably to resume its travels. Some former passengers say that they were delivered to a point in time preceding the events that precipitated their downward spiral. Having been shown the error of their ways, they are able to fix their problems before they get out of hand. It is believed that in some cases, The bus not only allows people to work through their past, but also gives them the opportunity to relive it altogether. In contrast, some riders recall next to nothing of their journey. They remember little other than stepping onto the bus and back off again. Whatever took place in between is lost to them. For a handful of passengers, their level of despair runs so deep that they cannot be helped. In those instances, the ride only reinforces what they already know, which is that their situation is beyond hope. With nothing to gain, they are forced to exit the bus. Some who can't handle their emotions laid bare have been known to pull the string and demand to be let off the bus. The driver lets them off, leaving them exactly as he found them, both physically and emotionally. It is only after the bus pulls away that they realise too late that they let their only chance at happiness slip away. Some are never able to come to terms of their own actions, and striving for a breakthrough that will never come, they ride the bus forever, their loved ones never knowing what became of them. Accounts of the bus first appeared in 2011, in what were purported to be works of fiction. This was called into question when dozens of Philadelphians came forward to say that they knew the events were true, that they had experienced them firsthand. These former passengers told of the monumental changes that occurred in their lives following boarding the bus that they believed at the time had found them completely by accident. Most claimed that they had been walking along a darkened street, wallowing in self-loathing when they first saw the bus. Even though they had no destination in mind, they knew that the bus was the light at the end of the tunnel they had been longing to find. Sensing this was their last hope, they climbed aboard, not knowing what the ride had in store for them. They had nothing left to lose. That the city of Philadelphia is home to a bus that travels only by night, offering the forlorn a sanctuary filled with new beginnings sounds far-fetched, to put it mildly. That said, stories continue to surface to this day, of people who say unequivocally that they regained their will to live after taking a bus ride that led them through their own subconscious. If you ever find yourself slipping into a bottomless pit of despair and a bus like no other catches your eye, take a chance and flag it down. After all, some opportunities only come once in a lifetime. We took it all. Haunted Hershey, by Timid Tim. This tale of a haunting takes place in a town which some call the sweetest place on earth. Hershey, Pennsylvania is well known for its famous chocolate bars and candies, and also for its amusement park, but some know very little about the horrors which take place in this small American town. I recently interviewed a close friend of the family who had worked at numerous locations in Hershey, and who at times, got the scare of his life, whilst working around the clock. My first story begins with a middle-aged man called Jim. Jim had been working security for Hershey Company for some time, and worked various shifts around the factories, the amusement park itself, and also the old theatre. Soon, Jim would be finding himself working nights at the Hershey Theatre, which was constructed in September 1933, during a campaign which would defy the Great Depression. One particular night, Jim was doing his security checks in the old 1,904-seat theatre when he noticed a life-size cardboard cutout of some celebrity standing in the middle of the aisle. Very strange, thought Jim, as he was the only employee who was in the building on that night. I'd walked down that main walkway about 15 minutes earlier that morning, and I would have walked right into it and knocked it over. For something so odd, it made me kind of laugh a bit. Jim also felt as if maybe someone had been following him. Maybe he forgot to lock the doors after he went to go inside and do his checks. After that, I placed the cardboard celebrity stand-up back behind the stage with some of the other props. I got some chills up my spine. Jim also began to get the impression he was being watched. Months went by as Jim continued working nights at the Hershey Theatre. A couple of his fellow employees had in the past experienced a few things here and there that were deemed to be ghosts and spirits. We could all agree on the sound of the footsteps. Some nights it sounded as if the place was packed with an audience, like there was a show going on, but there wasn't and the place was closed at two or three in the morning. Jim shrugged as he lit a cigarette and took a hard drag. His expression slowly changed from a smile to a frown. This one night, I was going backstage to do some of my checks. I always got the sinking feeling in my stomach going up the steps upstairs. Kind of like I shouldn't be going up there. Jim flicked on a couple of light switches and walked up the steps. His flashlight glared down the dimly lit hallway at the top of the staircase. I then checked one of the three rooms up there carefully and moved on. I get inside this one room and switch the light on, and there it is. Jim was frozen in complete shock at the sight of seeing a man standing up on a chair on the other side of the room. At first I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and at the same time I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Jim went on to explain that the apparition had the expression of anger all over its face. The vibes I got from this thing, this man was not good. I could feel complete dread and misery. Jim's eyes picked up on something in the far and dark corner of the room. She was laying down and sobbing. At the time I couldn't believe I was seeing this. The apparition of the young woman sobbing looked up at the man up on the chair. Suddenly, to Jim's horror, he witnessed the man who was furious reach up for a noose and wrap it around its neck. The ghost of the young crying lady began to reach out to the man, when the chair the enraged spirit was standing on kicked out beneath him. Jim had enough time to see the man hang himself and witness his arms and legs reaching and kicking about. I thought I was going to die of a heart attack, but sure enough, I hauled ass out of there. It took me some time to get over what happened that night. Even though it was my job to check things out in that old theatre, I sure as hell wouldn't go up in that room. Also, I thought about quitting... But then again, who would be paying the bills? As far as Jim had known during those days, none of the other employees had experienced anything like he did. A few of us knew the place was haunted, but the other employees didn't seem to care. Jim laughed and wondered if the ones who thought the place was spirit free actually went inside to do the security checks. When I had asked him about what he had witnessed that one horrid night, he just went into a zone and his demeanor changed. I have no idea what it was all about, but I know one thing. The chair that this apparition was standing on was real, because it was something I was used to seeing when I checked that room out. It was scary how that chair kicked out from under that man's feet. It was like it was all too real. I questioned Jim about what the ghosts were wearing. Oh, you know at the moment I was pretty much scared out of my wits, but from what I remember, it appeared to be classic attire, people would wear anywhere from the 30s to the 50s. One thing that really stands out and scares me is that evil expression on that dude's face. He was radiating pure evil from that look. Albertwitch. The Albertwitch is one of several local legends in the area of Columbia, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvanians speak of a creature called an Albertwitch. It is a small, maybe four-foot-tall, man-like creature which supposedly lived in wooded areas. The main area of residence seems to be near Chickies Rock, a heavily wooded area, along the banks of the Susquehanna River about a mile or two north of town. Albert witches were also reported from wooded areas along the river's shore. The creatures are named for a habit which they possess. Their bizarre common name is short for Apple Snitch, as they were reputed to have a taste for apples. Legends speak of how the albatwitches would oftentimes steal apples from picnickers, occasionally even throwing them at the startled people. Legends also record that the creatures often sat in trees, coming down only to find food. It is also said that the albatwitches either became extinct or were driven nearly into extinction in the later years of the 19th century. Chickies Rock, where the creature supposedly lived, does have a tradition of strange sights and sounds. In the 1950s and 70s, a man-like figure was seen several times, and local legends also speak of sounds like the crack of a whip, heard in the woods at night. One can only wonder if these things could be connected to the Albertwitch. Whether these stories are connected or not, several sightings of Bigfoot types have been recorded from this area. A vague report concerning the sighting of a hairy humanoid came from Lancaster in 1973. Lancaster is a scant 10 miles east of Columbia. Another came from the town of North Anvil, about 20 miles to the north, in the same year. In addition, a number of reports have surfaced out of neighbouring York County. Also, some sources say that the Susquehannocks, like many Indian tribes, had a belief in an ape-like monster. ...and Sometimes depicted it on their war shields. The Susquehannocks were a local tribe. Coincidentally, major evidences of their civilization were found at the base of Chickies Rock. Haunted Jail Cells by J. Lopez, 1031. I worked in a jail that was built in the 1700s. I've been employed here for a little under a year now, and I've experienced multiple things on my shift. I grew up believing in ghosts. It was just a thing in my family. Even today, I'm amazed with the afterlife, but I don't go looking for it. One night, I came into work and I was placed on the minimum housing unit block. At the start of my shift, I normally talk to the inmates for a little while. I bounce around from cell to cell just talking to everyone. One night, I'm sitting in the officer station dozing off. At the time, my son was about four months old so I didn't get much sleep prior to the start of my shift. The unit I was on had two levels, and I was adjacent with cell 8. The first time I dozed off, I jumped up and looked directly at cell 8, because I saw a shadow. The shadow ran to the left, in between the inmate bunks. At first, I thought they were joking with me. This happened twice. The third time, I noticed the shadow standing directly behind the cell door, just staring at me. At this point, I fully opened my eyes, and the shadow figure was still standing there. When I stared back into the cell, the shadow ran back into the bunks. Approximately half an hour later, the nurse came up to the cell block and we were passing out medication. We went cell to cell. I told the nurse what happened, and she told me she had something happened to her on the special needs block. She said that she turned on the light in the special needs cell block area and an inmate was about to gulp his meds when the light turned off. She said when she looked to the side, the switch was flicked down and she asked the inmate if he did it and he replied to her, you were looking right at me. Anyways, when we reached cell 8, I asked the inmates if they were messing with me and they all looked at me like I was crazy. They all looked like they had just woken up. Another thing that happened to me was a cell opened on its own. This cell was marked down for repair and it was empty. I was placed in the hole as my post for the night. The hole is where people go as a punishment. They are put in a very small cell approximately eight feet long and three to four feet wide for a long period of time. Most of the people who come to the hole are people who committed murder or simply act disorderly. I was instructed to have the inmate workers paint any cell that needed to be painted. So this cell, number 23, had some graffiti on it. I attempted to open the cell door with the key, but the key wouldn't even turn. The inmate yanked on the door while I was trying to turn the key, but it wouldn't budge, so we left it. We walked down towards the officers podium and back up with the paint to the cells. When we reached cell 22, We were right next to the cell we couldn't open, which was 23. The cell door was wide open, as if someone had forced the door completely open. The doors on these cells in the hole are different compared to other cells. These doors are very heavy doors, and they need to be forced open. I tried to duplicate it, but even if the cell door fell off the locking mechanism, it wouldn't have opened all the way like it did. It was locked when we walked away it was impossible for it to open the way it did without some kind of force. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you've missed any of the US states, you can find them in a playlist that'll pop up towards the end of the video. If you like the video, make sure to leave a like, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, making sure to hit that notification bell so that you never miss a video.